0: Are you an HR department of one, trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the best practices in human resource podcast I'm Brenda and if this is the first time that you guys are listening to the show I want to welcome you um, we're here to help you figure this crazy HR puzzle out and I'm really really glad to ha- glad to have you on board and if you guys are returning listeners thank you so much you have no idea how much you guys really mean to me uh, coming back time and time again experiencing all this really great stuff and um, and I appreciate the comments I appreciate the feedback. And just really great to have you here. And this is the week of gratitude. It is Thanksgiving week. So we get to squeak in one more podcast before everybody uh, literally puts themselves into a food coma on Thursday. And, um, yeah, it'll be good, right? It's always good. Anyway, so today we are here to help share with you what and the how of human resources. And I'm in the human business, which means that there's a greater number of dynamics that occur in the workplace, and it just means that there's a little bit more to balance and manage. But most importantly today, we're going to be talking about a couple of things. So we're going to take a look at employment law changes that are happening across the nation. Uh, and today's topic is going to be around seven tips to manage your remote workforce. Um, We're going to wind up pitching in the HR question of the day and then at the end I'm going to share with you how to get best practices delivered right into your inbox. Now, before I go on, the information that is available through this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue. And if you don't have an employment attorney, you may contact me, and I might be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Um, so employment law changes and headlines across the nation. So it's, you know, it's really not too much going on, we, we do have a couple of things. So something to be on the lookout, and, I, and there's really not much to share about this just yet, but the EEOC, the NLRB, and the DOL, that's the Equal Opportunity Commission, the National Labor Relations Board, and the Department of Labor, are preparing to issue rules governing joint employment. Um, that is going to be very interesting and not really quite sure if that's going to make an upset in the PEO market or not amongst other, uh, different types of employment practices that are in regards to joint employment, but definitely stay tuned on that because that, that looks very interesting. Um, also. It looks like Congress is in the process of trying to go back to eliminating non-compete agreements. You know there was an attempt before and I I can't remember the exact back end story of it, but it that was a conversation that died off and now they are back at it again. So at the federal level, um, definitely something to keep your eyes out. Over in California, <clears throat> attempts that, there, there's some attempts to weed out unfair labor practices really at the state level, and what they're looking at doing is putting into place union friendly regula- regulations on employers in the cannabis industry. <laughs> so uh, the cannabis industry is already interesting, and it looks like it's going to uh, be facing some additional more interesting points coming up. So. Stay tuned for that and it seems like any time that there's an announcement that California is going to do something they do wind up doing it so that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, Over in Colorado, Colorado is actually proposing increasing their minimum salary of overtime exempt workers to a benchmark of $57,500. Now that's just a proposed uh, has not changed yet, so you definitely want to keep your eyes open for that if you are operating in Colorado. Maryland now prohibits non-competes for what they determine as low wage employees. Um, also, <clears throat> we got a year-end reminder going out to those of you over in New Jersey that the salary ban, excuse me, the salary history ban will be taking effect January 1st, 2020. 2020. My gosh, 2020. Jeez, it's like we've been talking about 2020 and now it's all of a sudden it's here. So, folks that are over in New Jersey, just remember that the salary history ban is going to go into effect as soon as the ball drops in Times Square and reaches the bottom. So, right over at midnight. Also, in New York, um, New York State is going to prohibit oh my gosh, (laughs) discrimination based off of uh, those that make decisions around reproductive health. (laughs) My word, I can't even talk about it. So um, for those folks that are seeking reproductive treatments, um, there is going to be some some parameters around that, banning discrimination against people that make those kinds of choices. And then last but not least, Oregon the court of appeals now requires employers to pay wages for hourly employee employees failure to take a full 30-minute meal break so that means that if an employer doesn't hold their employees to take the 30-minute meal break that means that employers uh, are now have to pay those wages regardless so that's the information that we have for you guys and uh, hang on, stay tuned, and we'll be back. And we're going to talk about those seven tips on how you can manage your remote workforce. Okay, so employee engagement is actually one of my favorite things to talk, talk about in the field of human resources. And I know I spend a lot of time on the show talking a lot of stuff about compliance, but believe it or not, this is actually, for me, a real fun area and i was actually talking to somebody earlier today um he's excited he's about ready to get a job it looks like uh, the position is going to be based out colorado he's here in in virginia and um and the company in colorado is actually if they extend him the offer they're going to make him a hundred percent long distance worker so he's really excited about it. It's right up his alley. He's incredibly talented and I couldn't be happier for him. So I got my, I got my, my good juju going out for him on that, but it got me thinking about, you know, what to do with, you know, remote workers and remote employees and how they're, we see this a lot out there that we read about. There's a big disconnect that's between employees and their workplace when they're not in house. And it got me kind of wondering well, exactly how many people are working remotely or have worked remotely at some point in time. And so I did a quick research on it. And so far, um, just some, you know, real quick, down and dirty numbers. What I found was Gallup had conducted a poll in 2016. So that was three years ago. And approximately 43% of the employees have worked at home at some point in time. Now, that number has only increased marginally since 2012 when approximately 39% of the workforce has worked at home at some point in time or sometimes works at home. So it's a pretty good chunk out there that is either working consistently or is working from home somewhat or part-time basis. Um, Also, LinkedIn, had a survey last month that 70% of the hiring managers today are offering some form of work from home opportunity. Now anybody who's been in the HR field or is in a position where people are working remotely knows that this really is the north for our workforce and we've been talking about it for years so this is no surprise to anybody. However, the problem still is faced with in the workforce, and that is how do you keep these employees feeling engaged? How do you manage them remotely? And we've got seven, count them, seven tips that we're gonna talk about today. So first and foremost, tip number one, make sure that you have the ability to, or, or give them the ability to get questions answered easily. There is a there is a wide gap that occurs when somebody is not in the office and being able to get answers quickly. And the big reason is is that for all working in the same office, it's really simple if you can't get an answer online or you can't look it into whatever database or you can't find it within an email or something like that and you've put something out there and you haven't gotten something back but you're on a time crunch, it's really easy to just stand up, go over, and ask the specialist what it is or pick up the phone and actually call them direct one-on-one with the extension or even hit them up on Messenger if you have internal messaging. But um, when you're working remotely, and, and I've personally experienced this um, years ago, is that even in a large organization, you know, the information that they put out, the answers are not all there. And sometimes it's really difficult to get somebody or to get in front of somebody electronically. So um, one of the best things that you guys can do is if you have a remote workforce is make sure that there is a way that they can get to answers quickly because that impacts their productivity not to mention it makes them very frustrated now if anybody's been listening for an extended period of time you know that my number one live and die rule is in the absence of information people make stuff up and when somebody can't get what they need uh, there's a part of our brain that has this need to justify it and if you don't believe me just pay attention to any female that dates. (laughs) And let's listen to all of the things that they think may be going on if they don't hear from somebody. And I can also say that from experience, so I'm not overgeneralizing, but that is very much the truth. And then we do that in a lot of different areas and, and just step and think about it and just be like really, really present and aware that when people don't know the answer to something, they come up with some form of story because it's very uncomfortable to have this belief that of, of anything, or really have Ambiguity at any point in time, so making sure that they can get to the answers they can get to the resources quickly efficiently will definitely help make them maintain that level of engagement that you need to that you need to be in Second tip it's okay to set standards it's absolutely okay to set standards and what I mean by that <clears throat> is that you can You know, it's okay to set standards on scheduling. It's okay to set standards on what you expect that they need to produce. So if there's a key performance indicator that you need them to hit, it's perfectly okay to set that standard in place. Um, It's perfectly okay to set standards on if you guys are having video conferences, what they should be looking like. If they are, if you guys are having a meeting, and you're expecting to put things on video make sure that they are fully aware that hey listen we're going to have this meeting with this client make sure that you are prepared to be on camera for it because if you have somebody it's very easy to work in your leggings and your comfy clothes with your hair all tied up in a bun and you know what that's great if nobody has to see you but if you're going to be participating in a meeting to where you're gonna have some sort of visual connectivity, make sure that you are clear of what you expect out of your employees when that happens. But here's the thing, you can set your standards, but don't micromanage them. And, and this is really challenging for a lot of people because we don't build, we don't take the time to build trust with our remote employees. Um, again, I can say that from being on the receiving end and having that. And you know, what, in all fairness, some employees don't conduct themselves in a way where you feel comfortable building trust with them. So set your standards, build your trust, but don't micromanage them. And I remember an example from a long time ago, <clears throat> uh, somebody that I knew was dating a woman and she worked remotely from home, but that company constantly micromanaged her time online. Now she was she was a salaried you know exempt employee. She had a position in the company where she could make decisions of matters importance, but they still sat on her and it was ridiculous. And so just for even for her, and I found this to be hilarious um, to even take a break, she actually tied her computer mouse to a remote control car clicked it on and put it in a shoebox so that way the mouse is what triggered the activity that showed that she was still online and engaged and working. <laughs> it was it was really sad. <laughs> when I heard that I couldn't believe it I'm thinking, "Oh lord." So, you know, the thing is is that we're adults, we're grown-ups. If you set the standards, you won't you will likely not have to feel like you need to manage your employees, right? Don't monitor messengers because you really aren't going to know the difference. Um, and not to mention micromanaging people, it, all it does is it just it builds up a lot of strife and anxiety, and and it doesn't do well for you, and it does or the employee, and it doesn't do well from the manager it doesn't do well for you because all you're going to get is a lot of, you know, like, well, they don't think that they're doing their job and they really have nothing to stand on. So, uh, it just gets complicated. So, but the thing is, is that when somebody backs away from standards, absolutely, you can hold them to it. And if you don't hold them to it, then you are going to breed an environment where your employees are going to figure out how to get through the the cracks quicker, because I'm sorry, employees do that. So, Anybody in a hierarchy structure is going to figure out how to where's the path of least resistance, and that is not uncommon. Okay, so tip number three make sure that you schedule time regularly to do check ins with your employee. Um, that doesn't mean it's a day to day basis, although, depending upon the kind of work that may be a good idea if you guys are up in a, a deadline or just the nature of the work itself to where you need those constant updates and you don't have the technology or if it doesn't make sense to have technology to put that information in, then, you know, it make sure that you're actually scheduling that time for them. But also make sure that you schedule time specifically just for them, not just, you know, a check-in on the on the task at hand, but make sure that you spend one-on-one time. I've always been a big proponent of sitting down with your employees every month for at least 30 minutes and actually just talking to them, finding out how things are going, what they're working on, how they're doing with it, what are their obstacles, what do they need from you, you can reinforce your expectations. You can, you know, prime them for their next project, whatever it is, when you dedicate time to your employee, number one, they know that you care. And the second off, they want that interaction. And, you know, if you've done any type of research, especially on millennials, and we're going to see this more than likely in the next generation and Generation Z, these guys they want that feedback. So setting that time aside just for them that's going to keep them engaged. Now you have to learn how to deliver the feedback correctly and be able to deliver feedback to multi-generational levels and that's another skill that's another podcast and definitely another time. We'll put that one on the list but But making time for an individual is critical and important because it makes them feel like they are heard and that they are acknowledged by their supervisor and their manager. So don't be afraid to sit down, ask them what they need, and by all means, ask them how they're doing. Um, You know, don't just make it all about the job. Ask them how they're doing. Take time, take care, and take consideration because when you take care of your people, your people tend to help take care of things that are important. Okay, tip number four. Whatever you do, <laughs> make a very strong conscious effort to never exclude your remote workers from meeting invites or functions. There is nothing that will destroy a relationship quicker than when a human being feels left out. Seriously, they, it, there's a lot of hardship around that. I know I've gotten been out of shape especially when it's something that they're in charge of, they're a part of, or there isn't a lot of opportunity for them to engage in a collective group activity. So if you guys are in an office situation, you have other individuals that are outside of the office, and you're celebrating birthdays in the office, but you are not celebrating your remote employees' uh, special days in some fashion, not just one-on-one, but the group gets to participate in it as well. I promise you, that's going to start breeding some, some hurt feelings. Um, maybe not immediately, but it will over time. Um, if you accidentally miss a, a person's name on a meeting invite, and this is where um, you know group contact or group lists are really great for not doing that, but if you accidentally leave somebody off please make sure that they know that it was a hundred percent an accident wasn't anything intentional now you don't have to say it seven times once is enough but Make sure that you go back and you clean that up with them because, again, in the absence of information, people make stuff up. They're going to start to wonder because there's so much distance between them and the environment and they don't kind of get that ability to read people. They don't get the opportunity to really feel and uh, empathize with the environment and get into it. They're going to start to wonder about their position in the company. They're going to wonder, do you trust them? They're going to wonder, do you even like them? And not that everybody's focused in on like, but like therefore could lead to feeling like they're being targeted. So that's a huge breakdown if you do wind up missing somebody. So bad, bad, bad. Just make sure that you pay very close attention to that. Okay, number five. Kind of goes along with number four, but never make the assumption that a remote employee doesn't want to be included in anything that includes meetings or team building events. Trust me. The majority of them want to be included in some fashion. And so if you accidentally forget, that's one thing, but if you make the assumption that they don't want to be involved or that it's not very important to them, that's a big mistake to make. And I have seen that time and time again. I had a boss that made that assumption, and it was amazing how much animosity was built and uh, injected into that one action time and time again until finally I said do you understand that this person really doesn't think that you want them on the team and he was floored he's like why would everybody think that way I said because you don't involve them and you don't believe that they feel like they want to be a part but I guarantee you they feel they want to be a part of this you have to make sure you start doing it It took about six times for me to get it through that person's head that in fact that person did want to be a part and it wasn't until the two of them had a conversation and he came back to me later on he says oh my gosh I'm so sorry you were right and I'm like yes so please (laughs) make sure that you don't make that assumption okay you know what they say about assume right and if you don't email me and I'll be happy to tell you okay Number six, <clears throat> when you set your meetings up for visual, uh, excuse me, when you set your meetings up, make sure you set them up with visual access. Don't just do a conference call that is just audio only. Make sure you turn the camera on so then that way people can see who's in the room. They connect visually with their coworkers and it, you know, it makes them feel like they're not just sitting behind their desk all by themselves in their environment with the dog behind them and waiting, you know, just waiting for something to happen. So it's a way of getting people inclusive. And conversely, when you have a team meeting, make sure you let people know that they are going to be on camera and that that's the expectation. Unless they're driving in a car and, you know, you don't want to have them futzing around with the phone, just have them listen in at that point for safety's sake. I remember years ago, we had a national conference call, and uh, everybody was jumping on, jumping on, jumping on, but the announcement was not made that this call was going to be recorded with live live visual, and everybody had their cameras on, and I was watching an employee literally shove a donut right down his face in the middle of everything, and it just wasn't good. So (laughs) make sure that you announce that hey listen this is a video call and everybody is prepared they're properly dressed Uh, and again like I said unless they're driving in a car you want to make sure that they're just on listen only at that point but visual access is what is going to help and it allows people to see one another and make that that kind of long distance connection and last but not least Trust your people until they give you a reason not to. Now, I I called this out a little while ago, that sometimes employees give you a reason to not trust them. But until that actually happens, if you're setting your standards, if you are making sure that people are engaging appropriately, they're living up to the expectations, then you know what? Trust them until they actually give you a reason to not trust them if they are constantly shutting down their messenger that's a bad sign <laughs> you want to make sure that people are accessible if you have an inner office as messaging service not because it's just a way to monitor but it is a quick way to communicate when there's a thousand and twelve things going on but it is definitely an indicator that if they are expected to be at their desk on their computer working <clears throat> that if they shut down their messenger you really won't get a sense of what's going on and it's going to just naturally in its nature make you start feeling uncomfortable. If you notice that uh, their deadlines are being missed um, depending upon the type of work that it is if they're hiding their calendars from you or every calendar entry that they have is marked as private um, then you're going to start to have some challenges. Those are things that will naturally make anybody nervous. Now in the field of HR it's not a good idea to share our calendars. So HR pros shouldn't be sharing their calendars. And the big reason why is that there is confidential information on there as far as who we're meeting and when we're meeting and what we're meeting about. But also calendars are discoverable. And if there's any problem that comes around in the company, guaranteed our emails and our calendars are going to be the top two things that are going to be Listed on that discoverable list and taken in as well. So When there is a stop order on data uh, Those types of things are there. So people really shouldn't have access to your calendar in your email unless it is um, Somebody at a high much higher level within the infrastructure of HR, but still definitely want to exercise caution But anyway, we're getting a little bit away from that um, So if you're starting to see so, see some of those things, the work is late, you have no access to them, now you're starting to get into that trust problem and I'm going to promise you if you don't call it out when you start to see a pattern, I'm not talking about one time or two times, I'm talking about a pattern of behavior. If you don't call it out, it's going to drive you nuts and it's going to really build and feed the the fire of no trust on you. So it's important to build the trust, you do that by setting your standards and then you, up, you uphold and adhere to them. So those are the seven tips that we've got today for helping you guys figure out how to go ahead and manage your workforce remotely. And uh, if you have any other suggestions or ideas, by all means, feel free to go ahead and drop me a quick email. You can certainly do so. And, uh, or hit me up over somewhere on social and I will be happy to include those in a future episode. And today I want to give a shout out to Dr. Uh, Blair Ellis's Old Dominion University class who's studying unions in the workplace. Thank you guys so much for having me in the classroom again. And look, good luck on your upcoming finals, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. You guys are a great class, and um, you all definitely have some bright, bright future. So I'm pretty excited to, pretty excited to have been a part of that. So I appreciate it. So today's question, today's IHR question, is actually um, going to be focused around kind of a a pretty unique situation, and um, this question was actually posed by an employee, but I thought it was really good to call out, and what the question is today is, I witnessed a retail theft at work and have been called to two lineups already. Do I have to continue going to lineups to identify them? Now that's not an easy question to answer, and mainly because the big thing to take away. So, if you guys are having some form of uh, crimin- potential criminal activity at work, it, it doesn't matter if it's theft; it could be anything. It could be, you know, potential workplace violence. It could be, um, shoot, it could be drugs in the workplace. It could be weapons. It, it could be anything, right? Um, it. it it can happen, and it's not uncommon that it does happen, and in this case, it happened, whatever was going on happened in a retail environment, which theft is, you know, <laughs> it, it, comes with the, it comes with being in the store in a brick and mortar. But if your employees are ever witnessed to something, and it could even be something as, as simple as a car accident, um, once law enforcement comes into play, you no longer have control over the environment. And not complete control. So um, I worked in retail for 26 years. And I've done everything from small mom and pop all the way up to big box retail. And I can tell you right now that theft in retail is, is not uncommon, both internally and externally. But what I have learned from other scenarios and other situations as well, where we've had to get law enforcement in, you're going to be better positioned to work with law enforcement and create a functional working relationship. And I'm not saying that because then that controls the witness piece of this, but what it'll do is it'll give you the opportunity to actually talk through an action plan with the law enforcement officers to be able to effectively work with your employees. So this is kind of like your one and only way of kind of controlling in the environment because if your employees are being called in to testify, if they're called to you know pick out witnesses, uh, write witness statements, give some sort of testimony of some kind <clears throat> you're not going to be in control i mean it's just the fact of the way it is and if you're trying to get into control and you try and intercede and you try and control that flow number one your relationship from law enforcement is going to have a big fat void in the middle of it and that's not a good place to be because it's going to start building a contentious relationship and the other piece of it is is that you also don't want to be in a position where law enforcement now sees you as an obstacle, and they're going to take additional legal routes to get the information that they need, because they absolutely will. They'll go out and get a warrant. They, they may even charge you for obstruction of justice, right? And, and those are some pretty extreme situations, but those are the situations that ramp up pretty darn quick. So you don't want to have that. And um I mean years ago, my first my very first day when I was in HR sprout, we had an incident that took place. I've mentioned it before on the show, but, Um, When an incident took place, thank goodness I wasn't in a position where I had to do anything about it. I was too green, too young. It, It wouldn't even have been remotely reasonable for me to get involved. But the company had produced a list of people that they were comfortable or were working with law enforcement to get in. And what they had requested from the sheriff's office was to go ahead and provide a list of the people that they wanted to talk to. So that way the human resource uh, team was well aware of who law enforcement was gonna get in front of and who they weren't. Well, unfortunately, when I came in, I was was kind of part of that shuffle shuffle and law enforcement decided to go behind the human resources team's back and actually pull me in and give my own statement and I wasn't included on that original list. So needless to say, HR wasn't happy about it They certainly knew that there was nothing they could do about it because it was an active ongoing investigation and the organization and the company could not be in a position uh, to violate that or to intercede or get in the way so it just was one of those things that it just happened I kind of caught a little heat for it but I told them they said the only thing that I did was answer the phone (laughs) and they they had me targeted before I could even say anything. But when I was there, I, I really didn't have very much to offer him. and all of that they wanted at that point was to just remove one more person off of the list of possibilities. Um, so remember when you have law enforcement involved you are no longer in control. Um, another situation that took place where thankfully nothing really ever happened years ago um, and when I was working for a big box retailer apparently we had three counterfeiting rings in the area and we had a uh, phony $100 bill that came through that um, one of our managers was able to identify. Unfortunately, the cashier took it, and it wasn't until they were doing the nightly countdown and he was putting money into the safe did he actually catch the bill and figure out what it was. Anyway, it came up to me since I was in operations at the time, <clears throat> and um, I went ahead called out to the P- PD department, and they said, "Oh, you got to talk to so to." Um, Secret Service, and they sent the Secret Service agent out that was uh, responsible from that area, and he and I spent some time talking, um, and we actually went through the tapes to see if we could figure out who it was. Unfortunately, we didn't have a timestamp um, as to when we collected that type of money because the cashier just entered in ten dollars versus a hundred dollars, um, and we never saw a hundred dollar bill transaction go through. So it made it unfortunately a little. An Oculus, but you know the Secret Service agent actually wanted to talk to the employee. It just so happened that employee was that was their last day So it was weird and suspicious as to whether or not the employee was knowledgeable or wasn't and Being that that employee was no longer employed. There was nothing more I could do as far as controlling that environment, so um, Nothing ever came of it. <clears throat> it was kind of one of those things where I think it just died in the wind, but um, you know, again, those things do tend to happen. So, yeah. <laughs> so, when law enforcement is involved, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to control your environment as easy as you think you will. All right, so if you guys have questions, you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website and click on the podcast link from the menu down towards the bottom of the podcast page, and you'll find a submission form where you can post your question, which I may be reading and answering on an upcoming episode. So thank you for sending that one in. That was actually a really cool one. I did like that, um, and uh, certainly hope that that helps everybody out. out. Hopefully you won't have to deal with it, but... You may at some point in time. Now, if you want to find out what's going on in my world and what's going on next with the podcast or anywhere else, you can follow me on social by uh, hitting me up on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Brenda Neckvonnel. That is, uh, last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke as in Victor, A-T-A-L, and you can also find me on the website at bestpractices.work, where you can jump on the mailing list and get the latest and greatest best practices delivered right to your inbox. Now, Again, guys, you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Um, Stay tuned next week. We've got another special guest coming up, Eddie Penny, United States uh, Navy SEAL. He has retired. Um, He is actually the owner of Contingent Group, is one of our affiliates on background checks, and we're going to talk about a very special topic and a very special subject on how you guys can mitigate some risks. So have a wonderful holiday week, and we will talk to you next week. Take care.